Good morning again. So here we are. It's the end of spring and the beginning of summer. The school year is ending. School kids have been saying goodbye to teachers and classmates. Teachers have been saying goodbye to kids and colleagues. The summer is also a time when some families change jobs and move to a new place, saying goodbye to neighbors and friends. And these are just some of the more obvious and expected goodbyes. Throughout life, there are many junctures which offer opportunity for goodbye. And I'm going to practice some radical self-care right now. And I'm going to ask Maggie, our usher, to go out here and turn off the light that's right behind that door because it's shining on my screen and I can't see it. <laughs> it's the little old-fashioned switch right behind the door. All right. So, <laughs> sorry, Maggie, just turn it back off. We're, okay, I'm going to roll with this. Are you going to roll with me? Thank you. So can you tell what this sermon is about yet? <laughs> so there's some goodbyes in life that are obvious and expected. There's some that are unexpected, some that are wanted, some that are unwanted, some that are planned, some that are unplanned, some that take a long time and are drawn out, some that happen suddenly and quickly. Sometimes goodbyes can be offset, where one person says goodbye for a while before the other person begins saying goodbye. Goodbyes are an external action based on an internal processing. And one of the goodbyes that's happening in many of our lives right now is that the lead minister, Eric Wickstrom, who served here since July 2011, ends his service on June 30th. On August 31st, Chris Rivera, Director of Administration and Finance, ends her four years of service here. This congregation has had goodbyes before and will have goodbyes again. That is why I entitled this sermon, Goodbyes as a Life Skill. Who here among us has not looked back and wished they might have said, a better goodbye. Who here has realized too late that they can come to terms with a complicated situation enough to say what they want to say? So I want to use a story that I think is familiar to many of us to explore goodbyes, the Wizard of Oz. Good old Dorothy who begins in the familiar stillness of a Kansas farm. And the suddenness of a tornado carries her against her will to a new and magical place. She does not get the chance to say goodbye to her Auntie M and the others. When she arrives in Oz, and she doesn't even know where she is yet, she meets Glenda, the Witch of the East, and pretty much right after they meet, they have a goodbye. And the way Glenda handles that is by giving Dorothy gifts to help her on her way 
for her journey ahead. Dorothy continues on. And during her journey, she meets many creatures, many people, some of whom she relates to with kindness and some with fear. Some of these creatures and people she thanks and some she hurts. Some she has adventures with. And by the end, Dorothy says a very deliberate and thoughtful goodbye with the wizard, the lion, the scarecrow, and the tin man. She is sad, but she is peaceful. Now, as we look at this story, isn't it true the wizard had all that power. She got to click her little shoes together. She could have magically left without saying goodbye. She could have let it be one more ending or closure or transition or change that went unmarked, like the tornado that took her at the beginning. But Dorothy had especially meaningful goodbyes with the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Lion because they knew each other's stories. They had learned and grown together. Now, one person that Dorothy did not have a meaningful goodbye with is the Witch of the West. Dorothy felt intimidated by this person and eventually threw water on her to bring her demise. Dorothy never learned her story. But someone later, an author, asked the question, what was going on that made the Witch of the West behave the way she did? How did the world look to her? And decades later, a whole new book was written called Wicked, exploring life from a very different point of view of that character. And it was made into a popular musical. So that story can help us reflect on the question of when you boil it down, why is goodbye even something to talk about? And I would say, Goodbye is worth talking about because humans thrive on interconnectedness. And because a goodbye means that interconnectedness is shifting. There's many kinds of shifts, but I think we could agree the interconnectedness is shifting. And because in a goodbye, in life, one's identity is tied to how one relates to another person. For example, one could have the relationship of mother or daughter or coworker or neighbor. But that identity will no longer exist in that role, and so one's very identity becomes challenged. So there's sorrow, there's grief. Sorrow and grief are sometimes easier not to face. Literally, in the change of relationship, in the change of roles, the neurons in the brain have to regrow new pathways to make sense of how to operate without that person there. How many of you have lost a dog, and when you come home, each time the dog is not there at the door, you have to reprogram your brain how to handle that? I expected to see a lot more nods. So doing this reprogramming when there's a loss of role, a loss of relationship, this reprogramming can be tiring. It can be scary. 
it can be easier to avoid. But as we are people seeking to live good lives, we seek to love well. And sometimes to love well means the courage to do what is scary and what is tiring, to face those conversations that would be easier to avoid. Your goodbye is part of your story. But the other person has their story too. Do you know it? Would it help to know how the goodbye looks to them? So I'd like to explore a specific type of goodbye, and I'm going to use an example from the hospital. And I want to tell you that as I wrote this story, I've been telling myself for the last few months, Alex, stop using examples from the hospital in your sermons. <laughs> because um, I've worked here at the church as assistant minister for nine years, but it was half time. And it was two years ago that I started working half time at the hospital as a chaplain. And I believe in diverse sermon examples. But what can I say? The hospital is a distillation of the challenges of life. And that is a, cru a crucible worth looking at. Now, in hospitals, it is sometimes, many, many times, people go to the hospital, they get well, and then they leave again. In a few situations, people go to the hospital and they die. When a person is getting close to death, the spiritual care team there tries to offer support to the family. And I often give this suggestion. There are five things that are really helpful to say while you still can. One of them is thank you. This could be really big thank yous like, thank you dad for teaching me to be a respectful husband. It could be small thank yous like, thank you for feeding my dog that time I was out of town. The next thing to say while you still can and while you can still hear the person's response could be, I forgive you. Those could be large forgivenesses that have taken years to process or small and easy forgivenesses. And then there's reciprocity. Please forgive me. It's a taking responsibility. It's a naming things that could be difficult to name but allow an inner peace after the conversation. Fourthly, to say I love you. There are so many ways to say I love you and to tell a person what you love about them. It can be very uplifting and meaningful. And finally, the fifth thing to say is goodbye. And I would say that those two syllables sometimes are the syllables that I see are the hardest two syllables for a person to get out of their mouth. Saying it to the person does something for you. Not saying it does something to you. Listen again. Saying it to the person does something for you not saying it does something to you. 
In the case of death, part of this is timing. We may not know when another person's illness is going to sap their energy and make them unable to communicate. So better to start sooner than later. Now my friends, I am not saying this is easy. Even as I speak, I am guessing you are remembering a difficult death or a tender time or fearing an upcoming loss. No, it is not easy, but a life well lived means taking time to discern what needs to be said. Perhaps there is guilt, guilt about something done or something left undone. Now let me be clear here, guilt is different from shame. Shame is when another person invalidates someone's truth and that person internalizes it and becomes smaller. Guilt is when a person behaves outside their value set and then they need to make it right, they take responsibility and make it right, and they become more whole. And that is the goal here, to be more whole. It means facing loss, and when possible, facing that loss together. I like the term blessed acceptance by a minister named Roy Oswald. This is a life skill, and I want to lift up some words from a psychologist named John Hughes. He observes on a very large scale. He says, I contend that saying hello and saying goodbye are the two major learning tasks all humans need to accomplish. Some children come into this world and have no one in their family really say hello to them. Can you imagine what it is like trying to learn to say hello to others in the world when no one ever said hello to you when you were born? The psychologist continues, others never learn to say goodbye to mama or daddy. Hence, even though he or she has long since passed on, this person still continues to dominate the child's life. And so as we hear this challenge, this lifelong psychological development challenge of learning to say goodbyes, you may be asking yourself, well, how can I keep learning? Well, one way that we can learn, if you're a reader, is by reading. And I want to take up the example of divorce. There are lots of books out there on divorce. Some have titles like, This Isn't the Life I Ordered. Or, considering children, why do you have to get a divorce and when can I get a hamster? <laughs> but the two titles that I want to lift up are the title, The Good Divorce, and the title, Conscious Uncoupling. These books are clear <clears throat> in declaring that there is really a way to do the goodbyes in a way that pays off, even though it requires hard work. Another way we can learn to say goodbyes is through trial and error. And I'll tell you a story from my personal experience. 
Many years ago, I lived in a group house with a group of roommates and friends. And at one juncture, I had decided to end that chapter and begin a new one, moving to another town, starting a new job. And one of my friends in that household came to me and she said, Alex, the last time a friend left, I was hurt and scared and I just stopped hanging around with her. I kind of just cut off and ignored her and then she was gone. She said, with you, I want to do it different. She said, if you need help finding packing boxes, I'll help you find packing boxes. If you need help filling those boxes and cleaning your room, I will. If you need help looking for apartments, I'd like to do that alongside you. I was the beneficiary of my friends learning through trial and error about goodbyes. Now, isn't it true that when we listen to the songs in the world, there are many romantic songs that tell us that an ending means a new beginning? And yet, I have heard the wisdom that we might say a goodbye means two new beginnings. Each person in the goodbye gets to choose how they will move forward. They have an opportunity to choose mindfully. And that means taking a look at the scene around you to be curious, to be open to the current reality. This month, the theme of worship for the month is curiosity. And our altar team, like they do every month, does an amazing job of reflecting on what curiosity could mean. And they collected objects this month that we could be curious about. We could be curious what lies inside these books of Shakespeare and the biology of the cell. We could be curious about these many barnacles on this rock, which I have to confess, when I first looked at it, I thought, that's kind of ugly. <laughs> and the longer I looked at it with curiosity, I'm totally fascinated by its beauty. And so I invite all of us to look at goodbyes with curiosity. When you think about the goodbyes that you are facing, are they smooth on the outside like this conch shell, but on the inside have many different rooms? Are the goodbyes that you're facing large and clear and easily contained? I want to finish with a saying that I have found very meaningful. A goodbye is a hole until you fill it. My friends, may all of your goodbyes be filled with love. Amen. Let us sit in silence together. <clears throat>